Hey guys, Will Ainsworth here, Head of Growth and Training at Open. Today on the Better Agent Series, I'm joined by Director and Co-Founder of Fighting Fair, Mr. Scott Dutton. A bit of an intro for you, Scott, considered the most engaging trainer and speaker in Australia, global expert in solving problems around team culture, most known for being a conflict whisperer, which I'm interested in finding out a bit more about that, awarded Breakthrough Speaker of the Year in 2021, and recognised among the top 15% of professional speakers worldwide by the Global Speakers Federation. Mate, that is quite the resume. How are you going, Scott? That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? It does, and it's all you. <laughs> is that me? Is that me? Oh, wow. <laughs> it is you. It is you. So um, welcome to uh, the Better Agent Series podcast. Thanks. Thanks, Will. Appreciate that. Happy to be here. Now, I first, uh, when I say met you, well, I did meet you back at uh, ARIC, the real estate, Australian Real Estate Conference in 2019. You were one of the keynote speakers there. And um, I'm not saying this because you're on the podcast, but by far you were the best speaker in my mind. And <laughs> a lot of the other agents I, uh, I spoke to as well. And probably because what you do and what you speak about is such a, an important part of real estate and not just real estate, but every profession around the world now. So sort of Brings me to my first question. The stuff you do is exactly what real estate and any other industry for that matter needs. Tough conversations, mindfulness and communication. So what led you to get involved in such an interesting career? Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. Well, where do you want me to start? (laughs) Well, why did you end up? How have you ended up where you are right now? What sort of what you do today? Well, it's been a bit of an interesting journey. So I start way back. Um, and I shared this at the conference, actually. I still remember Eric as such a great event for me. Um, I, I, I lost my dad when I was young, and so I was, I was only one when he died of a heart virus. And then my mum remarried. They had a couple of kids. And then, quite sadly, my mum died of cancer when I was in grade six. Mm-hmm. So I, I had a bit of a challenging journey. I didn't really get on with my stepfather, so we fought a lot, and I didn't feel he really understood me. So I struggled. I, I had a lack of confidence as a teenager, and that carried on into my twenties. And I'd sort of go through bouts of depression, which is, uh, as you know, not much fun, <laughs> and, and and hard to get out of. And so I, so I went. I, I did a science degree with a major in psych. I thought that might help me, but it didn't. It just gave me a big hex there, which was great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And then I did a social work degree. Um, so actually, after the science, and I sort of didn't have, uh, I got into selling alarms in houses, which I wasn't very good at. Uh, <laughs> in fact, the boss came with me on a sale, and I got in the car afterwards, and I said, "How did I go?" And he goes, "Not good." <laughs> <laughs> okay, at least he was honest. Seriously, uh, he was honest. And blunt enough that I went, "Yep, that's it for my sales career." So I appreciate salespeople; it's a hard job, and. Um, yeah, I quit the next day and I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And I went and volunteered for an agency that actually in Melbourne, in Ringwood, that specialised in parent-adolescent mediation. And I really liked the mediation stuff. So that's when I went back to Melbourne Uni and I did a social work degree. And then I spent actually eight years working with parent-adolescent conflict. So any of you guys with teenagers would know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got an eighteen-year-old now, but uh, there's conflict and it's tricky. And and I, I did more of the extreme stuff where kids were leaving home and stuff, and trying to prevent that. And so I did that for yeah eight or nine years, and then we moved up to Byron, and 
my focus more changed to workplace disputes. Uh, so I started working in, uh, well, I did trail, I do a lot of training, obviously, but doing mediations and workplace and that sort of led me to expanding the, the, the training business to from sort of mediation. Uh, we did mediation just just as for a long time. And then then we moved to, uh, you know, difficult conversations and team culture and those just areas have just come in naturally and expanded in that way. And um, that's how I ended up to where I am today. <laughs> there you go. It's a very interesting journey. And, um, and thanks for sharing some of the personal stuff because most of us yeah. end up where we are because of pretty impactful parts of our lives or times yeah. in our lives. Yeah, um, that's interesting. So that's, that's good. I'm, I'm interested in uh, you said you've got an 18-year-old. You are very you, – obviously your expertise are conflict resolution. How do you go with uh, – do you, do you – uh, are you able to fulfil what you preach? <laughs> it's always harder personally, isn't it? Yeah. Um, no, look, my daughter's pretty good. Uh, my wife's a very good parent as well, so – um, I think, again, it comes down to that ability to connect and communicate, you know, whether it's with your teenager, with your partner, uh, in the workplace, with vendors and, you know, tenants. And, you know, it's about how well you are able to connect, I think, within that communication and, you know, trying to understand each other. And I think if you do that, uh, you've got the ability to challenge things as well, you know, when you've got that rapport and and relationship and connection as well. And I think same with a teenager. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, and interestingly, you uh, you preach that conflict can be fun. So I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm very interested to know from the, from the horse's mouth, how on earth can you make it fun? Do you know what? I mean, conflict is serious, right? So all, all the topics I train in or present uh, at conferences are, are pretty heavy, you know, whether it's conflict or difficult conversations or you know, unhealthy team culture and how to transform that. So I just bring some lightness to it. You know, I bring some lightness and fun to, to the train, whether I'm doing it face-to-face and now had to pivot last year and I've done 150 uh, trainings via Zoom now, which has been a real interesting experience. <laughs> yeah, sure <it> is. <laughs> um, so I just bring some enjoyment and lightness to, to balance the heaviness of the topic. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking about that and I was thinking like in a mediation, most of it's difficult and challenging, <laughs> but sometimes there are lighter moments, mm. you know, and, and that's really nice to find those little bits and, you know, most of it's, you know, tricky and serious, but it is nice when there's there's a little bit of lightness in that as well. But uh, it's just trying to find a nice balance, particularly in the, the trainings and keynotes. So does that, when you're actually in the midst of it, um, I'm not saying making jokes because that can obviously um, undermine the whole seriousness of it, but <laughs> is that sort of what you're alluding to? If you can sort of find and pick some gaps and make them lighthearted, does that ease the tension a bit? Yeah, I think it does. And, and that's what I probably use as a trainer too is that 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 lightness and, and making a bit of fun of myself as well just disarms people, I think, and yeah. it allows people to be themselves too. So, yeah, I've, I find lightness even in the mediation where someone says something and it's sort of, you know, not in a heavy way and you can play with that and, you know, enjoy that moment for what it was and then we go back to the <laughs> yeah. the tricky stuff as well and that's fine, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But you'd want to be pretty savvy with reading the play, so yeah. to speak. Um, there are a lot of yeah. people who don't really have the social ability or cues to be able to pull off what you potentially do. So. 
I suppose you wouldn't condone that for everyone in that way. No, no, it's tricky, and it, and that's I think the skill of a mediator is to be able to read the the space and 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 pick it up. And I think I do that as a trainer too, knowing when you can sort of pull in and pull out and not be too full on and um you know that sort of stuff as well so yeah okay very good um and one of your popular keynote presentations is uh as we've just been speaking about conflict intelligence yeah what are the pillars or the the basis of having conflict intelligence and are there any traps to avoid oh yeah there's traps (laughs) traps will (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure there's plenty of them (laughs) Yeah, look, the, the four pillars, there's quite a lot in this, but I won't go through it into it all. But the first one is understanding conflict. You know, what is it? How do you view it? Do you see it as something negative? Do you see it as an opportunity? Uh, how enmeshed do you get into it? Are you able to see it a little bit more from the third-party perspective? Um, so there's that self-awareness as well. So the four pillars is conflict awareness and self-awareness and where are you in it? Um, how how triggered are you? How much are you able to sort of stay mindful in when you're in conflict, which is quite challenging? Um, and then it's other awareness. How do you approach the other? How do you see the other? How uh, have you framed the other, the story you have about the other as well? And then the fourth sort of component is putting that all in t- together to, to create a collaborative space uh, where you can then find some uh, agreements or solutions that, are going to hold for the future, make them sustainable. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And the traps really around, and they're pretty easy to fall into, but I think the number one is blame. You know, we can so easily just blame the other person and not see our contribution. Uh, often in a mediation where I see the parties separately first, they will talk a long time about the impact that the conflicts had on them, but also what the other person's done to yeah. them or contribute. <laughs> yeah. But they'll rarely say, hey, uh, this is how I've contributed. You know, so it's very much the other rather than themselves. <laughs> so that's a, that can be challenging to shift that as well. Um, the second one is around just seeing it from our perspective. Yeah. Um, there's some pictures I don't know if I can show you a picture. Yeah. Can I show you a picture? Yeah, yeah let me I'd love show. to. I oh, know yeah. you've, you've disabled my screen sharing. <laughs> oh, let me let me do uh, let me enable your screen sharing. Thank you. This will be hard for the podcast people to see, but they can imagine it. They can, yes. <laughs> Hopefully you've got a few good descriptive words. Uh, All right, here we go. I've got it. Got it. Um, so I don't know if you can, that's coming up. Um, um what do you see is on my screen. Yeah, cool. So this is a picture. I want you to see, Will, what's the first thing you see in this picture? Are you ready? Yep. A lion or a tiger lying down under a tree. Okay. So this one here? Yes. Okay. There's actually three tigers in there. Is that right? Did you see two others? I'm looking as hard as I can. I've never been good. <laughs> oh, I can see two. I can see two. All right, cool. So this one up here? Yep, yep, got that one. Yep, so there's a big one there. There's that one you saw first, and there's actually one here in the tree. Ah, uh, there is. So there's one in the foreground, one in the middle, and one up in the tree that the branches yeah, are yeah. yeah, okay. So um, so what I show a couple, and there's a couple of other pictures I show, but it, it demonstrates that when I show a picture, people are going to see different things. Yes. Some people, some people go, I saw trees. 
<laughs> okay. Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what have we learned there? <laughs> but it's that it's that ability in conflict particularly to be able to not just see it from our perspective. Yes. You know, it's very hard. We get very stuck in how we see it and 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 I think we struggle to to be open to seeing it from the other side. Yeah. And and so that that's that's number two trap. And number three is really around making assumptions and judgments yeah. and and how quickly we do that and then we create stories about the other person that that makes it more difficult to shift out of the conflict too. Um, this is getting a little bit deeper than I didn't expect to go here, but I like doing this anyway. Does a lot of the way people respond in those meetings, is a lot of that ingrained from their childhood and their nature versus nurture, sort of how they've been brought up and what they expect um, other people to how they expect other people to behave. I think there's definitely that. I mean, one of the questions I ask in my training is like, um, how much do you feel the way you deal with conflict today is impacted by your childhood or your cultural upbringing? Yeah. You know, so it's always interesting to to get a sense of where people see how much of their reactions or how they particularly how they initially respond to conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I definitely think there, there's a, a strong link there and it's about how, for me, how mindful you can be of triggers and bring yourself out of those to be able to deal with it usually in a more helpful or constructive way. Yeah, okay. Um, getting into back into sort of real estate mode for a second. So um, negativity can ruin team culture and, and exhort yep. individuals and teams. How does an individual or a business flip the negativities and turn them into, I don't want to say positives, but uh, opportunities if you like? Yeah, and that it's a tricky one because I actually um, get asked to come in to work with teams who aren't functioning too well, uh, where it has gone a bit unhealthy or even toxic on occasion. And for me, I use a bit of a mediation process where, I allow the space, first of all, it's creating the space where people feel that they can be honest uh, and and constructive, (laughs) but I want them to be just really honest. (laughs) (laughs) To be mindful about being constructive. So um, it's it's creating that space and then allowing people to to get out on the table what their concerns are, what the main issues are. And there's there's some power and I think even magic you could call in in people feeling like they're being heard and understood. And once they do that, I think they're able then to move forward. So we get the issues out. People hear it. They try to understand each other. And then we move into, all right, if it's not working now, what what do you need to change? Um, and, And getting ownership for everyone. Now, that's when it's gone down a track a fair way. Um, I think for uh, particularly business owners, but even teams, if you can, it's about getting in early. It's it's having the environment and creating a space where people can have those difficult conversations when they come up. You know, if someone does something that has an impact on us, is it okay to go and approach that person? Yeah. You know, in our culture, in our agency, do we feel comfortable to go and do it? And if we don't, to me, that's a concern because how is it going to be addressed? Yeah. And is it encouraged? You know, so it's creating that culture where it's sort of that proactive early intervention. 
Um, and then, but then it's knowing how to do it well, you know, not going in and attacking the person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that never ends well. <laughs> it's sort of going in with a curious mindset, trying to understand, sharing your concerns clearly, and then, you know, getting an understanding between both parties and then trying to find a way forward. And do you believe that when we use the word culture, that starts at the top, the principal, the director? Is that generally if you look at a poor or toxic culture, is it generally where where it starts at the top? Um, sometimes. I think the leader has a responsibility to, you know, the best leaders I know are the ones that, yeah, we'll set an example, definitely, uh, but they'll also have those difficult conversations if they're required. Yeah. You know, they won't allow things to fester. Um, now, sometimes it's not the leader that's the issue, uh, but the leader's not dealing with the person that may be causing some concern. Yeah. So it's about the leader then knowing what's going on and dealing with it quick, smart. So in that sense, they do play a big role, but I think everyone plays a role in the team culture. Correct, yeah. Hence the word team. Yeah. Um, now, uh, as you would be well aware, the real estate industry is full of pretty big egos. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> what a statement. Um, <laughs> what are your tips for dealing with these types of individuals? See, to me, that's an interesting question uh, because I think it brings me back to, okay, you've got some big personalities and, and so forth. You, you're going to get that in any workplace. Um, it's more about not seeing it as them as a person. It's more about saying, what's the concern I have with their behaviour or what they're doing? Yeah, yeah. So if we just go, oh, they're a difficult person, they're a big bloody ego, oh, I don't like them. <laughs> you're creating a story. You're making judgments. You know, if someone's being abrupt in the way they speak or they're hogging the, the time in a meeting or it's about, first of all, are they even aware they're doing that? Are they aware of their impact? And if they're not, have you shared with them what their impact is on you or the team? So I think it's coming down more to, because I get sometimes people coming into mediation going, oh, I, I, you know, it's their personality. And, and I'm always very much like, well, I don't need to analyse their personality. I need to know what's your concern about what specifically they're doing. Yeah. So we can't negotiate on personality. We can't negotiate on big egos. We can negotiate it on specifics. Yeah. What's the impact? What's the concern? Let's address it. Yeah, I'll, I very much like that. I agree. Um, you can't change someone's personality. No. Um, but you can change the way they behave or what they yeah. do. I, I remember in a mediation actually recently between a manager and a worker and the the worker was saying, well, I, I want you to um, more or less, she was sort of saying you, you sort of talk down to me and you, you're quite abrupt in your um, way of speaking. And And I thought that was reasonable to say, you know, like, can you be more mindful of that? And the, and the manager said, well, that's my personality. <laughs> and I actually had to challenge the manager and go, well, okay, that might be your preferred way of speaking, but can we, ne can we negotiate this, you know? Yeah. So 
I feel like we can negotiate about the way we speak to one another, but not necessarily change their whole personality. So that that was an interesting little conversation. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. And, and who you're prepared to compromise for, because I imagine if it was the real estate industry, if, if a vendor said to that person, I don't like how you're doing it, the, 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 that person would stop doing it straight away because they know there's potentially a commission check at the end of it. So yes. what's, what's the incentive for them to do that? And often it's the staff that you're working with or for are the most important, but they're the first. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, and I'm speaking of my next question, I know you kind of know my journey a little bit as far as mental health is concerned. Um, yes. Kind of, dare I say it, my demise in the industry, uh, mental health sort of got the better of me. Yes. Um, real estate can be a very tough industry to work in, particularly when it comes yes. to work-life balance. I struggle to say those words, work-life balance, but anyway, can an agent continue to work hard and be efficient while rolling with the punches? <laughs> Well, you're right. I mean, I, I think if you think about real estate, it's a it's it's a it's not a nine to five job, is it? No, it's not. <laughs> and 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 I think the accolades and the and the, the the when you get a lot of positive reinforcement for getting so many sales and so many you know all that sort of stuff, it's very it's very much geared to overwork. Yeah. You know, and I think it's about if you don't have a good balance, you are going to burn out. Um, I, I do a little bit of stuff on resilience and what they talk about is you've got to be really careful about not um, being in the, the they, they call it the, the sort of doing or performing zone for too long. Uh, you need to have time in the recovery zone. And if you don't have time in the recovery zone, you are going to burn out. Yeah. Um, so it's about how how mindful are you of that, you know? And and I think it's hard because you've got these goals. A lot of agents have goals. They want to achieve certain number of sales, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but what's the cost of that? Yeah. I know some agents who I know are very successful and struggle with their mental health issues because it's very focused on this and not enough focus on that, yeah. you know. And I think it's I think it's about how do you get a balance. I mean, I'm not dissimilar. I mean, I'm a I'm an independent person in terms of we own it, uh, you know, run our training company. And since I pivoted, things have gone fairly well for me in terms of getting a lot of business. But sometimes it's too much, you know. Yeah. And and then I go. Skew if, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it's too, you know, if I'm doing day after day of training, well, where's the recovery time? Where's the time to sort of center? And if I don't do that, then I'm not great to be around. If you ask my point, <laughs> <laughs> I think like, we're all pretty similar in that vein. So, um, as I said to you before, we, you know, we work so hard, and then when we get home. The, the people we've actually potentially or meant to have worked for are the people who cop all the crap that we've yeah. built up over the day. And then yeah, we're that's right. Them because, yeah. well, they trust us and they're the ones that uh, are going to listen. Yeah. So it's uh, it's not easy. Um, no, it's tricky. Definitely tricky. Yeah, it is. And so that, yeah, that whole work-life balance, I I used to struggle with it and I think I came to the terms with the fact that 
it's just work and life. It's not work then life. It's kind of this yeah. all-encompassing, you're never going to have one without the other, but you've just got to have different sort of modes that you're in. Yeah. Um, and like you said, you know, take time off. I always booked a holiday while I was on a holiday. So while we're sitting there in Byron Bay, yes. all right, where's the next holiday and when? It was kind of like, remember when you're at school, you look forward to the, the terms, the holidays? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I always look forward to that. Seven, eight weeks down the track got me through. So why don't I do the same in my professional life? And that actually worked. Yeah, no, that's good. Except for um, when there's COVID. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Big bummer on that one. Absolutely. Um, now, how should agents handle a situation where they do want to carve out some time to spend with family, but their boss um, or their vendors and buyers expect them to be available 24-7 to their clients? What, what's the best way to broach that conversation with said boss or, or clients? Yeah, I think it's just being really upfront. You know, it's being open. It's it's um, it's also understanding what impact it may have on on the business or uh, I think with the vendors and the, the tenants, et cetera, it's, it's about putting in boundaries. Um, and I think that's the challenge for real estate is the boundary stuff, yeah. um, both putting your, in your own boundaries with what's okay and how much work you're going to do uh, because it's not a typical role and it is very much on, on, on all the time if you allow it. You know, but I think with with the boss, I think it is um, being having that conversation with them and explaining uh, what your concerns are, what the impact is, and particularly in the long the long run, because if you don't get a good balance, uh, you will suffer. You know, and it's not going to be sustainable. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it'd be great to have that conversation as a team around what's what's acceptable for us. You know, yes. what What do we, yes, we want to hit targets. Yes, we want to get listings and all that sort of stuff. But what's the cost and, and where's the boundary? What what's a, what's a good balance? I mean, I'm um, a big fan of um, sport, as you probably know, and I always look at them and say, you know, most sports people, they recover more than they train um, when they're at the top of their game. So I don't know why us as real estate agents or professionals in whatever industry you're in, we just spend all this time in the performance part and never in the recovery. Yeah. Um, we recover when we're not performing. That's not really a smart way to go about business. No. Life. No. Yeah. Um, mindfulness and well-being. How does one stay happy when in real estate? <laughs> How do you stay happy? Full stop. <laughs> there you go. It's a very, very good question. And how long have you got to answer it? But um, are there any techniques that you know one can adopt um, to stay sane and in, and tuned in? Yeah, no, no. I, I, I think with this question too, it's it's a bit like again that real estate, and and I'm not picking on real estate, but I think they have particular challenges because, I mean, for me and my journey, I had to go in. You know, I had to, I had to stop being so outward focused and and thought focused. Um, you know, I had to go and and utilize mindfulness and meditation to find more sanity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think for real estate, that is that is is difficult because it is very outward focused. Everything's yeah. outward focused, and so. When do you take the time to sort of um, find your centre, 
to to go in a bit and not be thinking about whatever it is and just try to sort of focus more internally um because i think if you don't it's 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 not good for your mental health i think it's hard if you're always outward focused i don't think you can be very centered so it's it's really actually taking that time but also having the intention to do it uh it doesn't mean you have to go and meditate every day uh but it's about taking your focus away from external things and bringing it more internal. Um, and it's not, you know, yeah, it's just how, how do you find your center uh, and what is your center? Because that, to me, is even an interesting question in itself. Uh, my partner who spent three years meditating in India and Sri Lanka used to say, well, just find your center. And I'd go, where is my center? I don't know where my center is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is my center? How do you find your center, you know? Yeah. And I, I found it more. I know what it is more now, but it's still tricky because there's so many external things taking us out. Um, you know, when do you feel centered in yourself and how do you find that? It's funny. I don't know the answer to that, by the way. Obviously, I don't, but... Um, you kind of know when you found it, if that makes any sense. Like you, yeah. you don't know what you're looking for, but when you do the activities that you've mentioned, mindfulness, meditation, all that sort of stuff, yes. funnily enough, you stumble upon it from time to time and it slips through your grasp sometimes. You're like, I want to go back there. It's like a dream that you wake up from. <laughs> I want to find that dream again and, you know, it never happens. Um, yeah. And yeah. I think the thing, the thing I've had to learn is not to take my thoughts so seriously because that was my my reason for going to my sort of depressive episodes was that I would believe my thoughts too much. And, and, you know, the trauma I had from my parents dying and all that meant that my, some of my thoughts were not that helpful or healthy. And so I had to learn to not go down that path and to not take them as seriously. And that sort of helps me not to go into those depressive episodes um, and it's also just that breathing, you know, just being able to breathe, focus on your breath. And, you know, that's, that's what meditation is all about. It's just allowing everything to pass without judgment and, and then finding that center through your breath. Living in Byron Bay certainly helps, of course. <laughs> it does help. <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely helps. <clears throat> um, now, I, uh, I ask all my guests some rapid-fire questions, which you're not oh. aware of at this point in time. Uh, One-word one word answers. They're not too... Uh, One-word. That's going to be hard, Will. I know. What scares you? Uh, my mind occasionally. Yeah. Good, good. <laughs> uh, what is the best TED Talk you've listened to? Uh, Drew Dudley on leadership. Okay. Very good. And how many cups of coffee and or tea do you have a day? Well, I'm in Byron. I only have chai and I have one chai usually. Joy <laughs> chai, yes, Byron. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> what is one piece of advice you would give your younger self? Uh, don't listen to your thoughts. Good. That's the theme for today, isn't it? <laughs> and it would be, uh, given we are the Better Agent podcast, I have to ask you this question. What is the one tip you can give all of our listeners who do tend to be the majority of real estate agents, uh, how to be better agents? Uh, listen to understand. Yep, very good. That's brilliant. <laughs>
That's good. Well, Scott, uh, mate, you have been brilliant today and thank you so much for all your uh, insightful uh, advice. It's something that's, you know, sort of close to my heart, what you do, um, not necessarily the conflict resolution, but um, the other stuff you speak of. And we can all deal, we can all have, a, I guess, better understanding of conflict resolution because whether we're real estate agents or family members or whatever we are, friends, we've all got conflict to some degree. Yeah, that's um, right. So really appreciate your Some more than others. <laughs> exactly right. Um, now, if anyone does want to get hold of you to speak um, to you about what you do um, on a professional basis, how, how would they get in touch with you? Uh, probably just go to the uh, my website, which is fightingfair.com.au. Yep. Uh, I've also got a scottdutton.com.au. That's more for speaking, but the training's the fightingfair.com.au. So, yeah, you can get me there. Just email or give me a call. Brilliant. Happy to chat. Thanks so much, Scott. Really appreciate your time today.